All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 193. The Clippers are looking to tie it up at home against Utah. Kyrie is out for Brooklyn. What does that mean for that series? The Joker gets ejected in game four and Denver gets swept. We're going to talk about that. And CP's brilliance. Is he a top five point guard in your book? It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It is the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, brought to you by BasketballNews.com. Episode 1-9, Trey. I wanted something cool to say about Trey Young for the 193-19 Trey, but it just nothing really worked for me. So we're just going with 1-9 Trey. Um, <laughs> it's been a few days since we've recorded. Our schedules have been extremely hectic lately. I have people in town. Drew has been searching for wedding venues. Did you find one, Drew? Did you find one in Santa Barbara? <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, we like all the places that we've looked at are definitely viable options. But uh, there is there's one. It seems like there's one really good shot for us to, to get this one place in Santa Barbara called the Hotel Californian. Uh, but we'll see. We, you know, nothing has been decided yet. We're still in the preliminary round of searching. So this is it started last weekend. And now I think we've, we visited six different venues uh, thus far. And uh, yeah, it's driving from San Diego to Santa Barbara in a, in a turnaround of like a day and a half is that's fucking brutal. Uh, but it was a beautiful, beautiful trip out there. We got we got we got to see a lot of stuff and uh, your boy got pretty sunburned. Uh, it's, it's good. It's, it's settling down right now. But my forehead is large for those that aren't aware. I have a very large forehead and uh, all of it was it was about as red as, uh, as your Clippers neon sign in the background uh, for all day yesterday. So it's uh, finally starting to calm down a little bit, but it was a good trip for sure. Um, you missed a couple games, I think. You were, you were ex- extremely busy. You did get to catch my boys, my Clippers. Um, I kind of want to start with that, Drew. So yeah. we haven't really spoken or haven't done a show since this series started. Um, the Clippers finally got one at home. It's two to one. Um, the first two games, you know, it, it's wild, Drew, because, you know, Middle of the first game against Utah, I said we can beat these guys. Like, look, they're beatable. We can beat them if we play our game. Um, and then the second half happened. And then the second, well, no, it's no, I, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um, Donovan has been absolutely brilliant. Like, that squad, like you had mentioned in the previous shows, like, I think they, they are a better team. Okay. Like, the way they play basketball, the way they move the ball. Um, I'm extremely impressed with Jordan Clarkson, like extremely impressed. This guy has turned into quite the hooper. Um, Donovan, again, we're seeing these guys like Luca and Trey and and all these guys coming up in the playoffs. Um, Donovan's like in front of our eyes, just becoming this superstar. And we're going to talk more about Donovan in a minute. But the interesting thing with this series for me, Drew, is it's pretty much a repeat of what happened in Dallas. I'm seeing for the first time in my in my life, Drew, this is wild, like there's a game inside the game, and that's with the coaching. It's watching Ty Lue and what this guy does with adjustments. And I was talking to the homie John Carter. John Carter's a fan of our show. He's a big-time Clipper fan. We were talking about this yesterday. And the adjustments that Ty Lue has made throughout the series has been remarkable. Just watching him 
do what he does. And like, it's like in game one, right? We give Boogie this, these seven minutes that turn out to be absolutely awesome. Boogie gave us really great seven minutes. It worked. And then I was like, okay, cool. We're probably going to see more of Boogie. And then game two, we give him like 15 and they were atrocious, right? Like yeah. he, he played for about eight minutes, way too long. Right. And it yeah. didn't work. You know, Pat Beverly started game one and then, you know, played four minutes game two. And then, you know, so we went back to this small ball, but what Ty Lu and again, like by the, by the time you get to game four, you've seen this team enough to know their tendencies and to know like what we need to do defensively as a team. I still think that we're giving up too many wide open three pointers. We really need to work on, you know, that pick and roll situation and who's going to step up to guard the three. But I don't know if you saw the stat from Kawhi, but Kawhi and all of our wins in the fourth quarter is perfect. He's been perfect. And not just like, being nice he's been perfect he's literally been perfect 43 points 16 for 16 field goals four for four threes seven for seven free throws um what we're getting from reggie jackson who's been literally aka big government because he bails us out all the time he's been carrying us in the first half of most games for the second part of this whole season and then into the playoffs and uh, luke Kennard coming in and you know uh, we brought it up on the last show like luke Kennard when he came in his first game in the playoffs you know, he didn't, he was, he was trying to play defense and he was passing up shots. And finally, like the coach of the team is like, yo, bro, when you're in the game, shoot the fucking ball. Like we want you to shoot the ball. It's kind of like the same thing that KD had to do with Joe Harris. And, you know, like when we pass you the ball, we're not passing you the ball to like create a shot. We want you to shoot the fucking thing. So anyways, we're going into game four, a lot of confidence. It was a blowout win um, in game three. I think it's going to be a repeat tonight. I don't want to jinx anything, but Right now, it's just everything's on the table. We know what Utah has to give us. We got to double down on Donovan Mitchell, and we got to keep feeding the rock to Paul George. Donovan, Donovan's performance in the first two games was, was crazy. It was like we, we saw Luka do all these things, and it was like, all right, that's what Luka does, right? And, and he's going to be tough to stop. it. And we moved to this Utah series. We're like, okay, yeah, Donovan's good but he shouldn't be able to dominate the way that Luca did. And then he did those things. He did all those things that Luca did in a slightly different manner, of course, because they, you know, very heavy in their, in their motion offense and their pick and roll stuff. Uh, and he doesn't hold the ball as much as, as Doncic does, but man, that guy was just out, out of this world in those first two games. And it was not much for you to do. And obviously the adjustments happen after you see those performances. Uh, but his level of play seemed unsustainable uh, based on, you know, how, where he is in his career and how, you know, it, how few games he's really actually played in the postseason. Um, and of course, like, I think it was in that second game or, or maybe the first game, he broke the record for 40 point, uh, 40 point games for the Utah Jazz in their history. And then everyone's trying to say that he's now, because of that, the greatest Jazz player ever. I want to talk about that. I do. I mean, I got to tell you, I, I I've never seen Carl Malone do anything like that, nor John Stockton, but he's not, he's not, I don't think he's bypassed those guys yet. Uh, but he is, he was incredible, man. It was, it was awesome to watch him do that. And I think the thing that surprised me the most about those first two games is with no Conley on the court, there wasn't a real dip uh, for that jazz team. I was expecting you guys to take advantage of those two games with him being out. I, I, his is a hamstring issue. I, I don't know if he's going to be back for the series at all. Do you have any like timeline or anything it's, like that? It's game to game and every yeah. game. It seems to, I don't see him working out before the game either, which means right. 
that he's probably and that's, a, that's a big loss for that Utah team because they are deep and they have Clarkson and, and you know Ingles is ready to step up you know every game um but you know for them to win those two first games without Conley was very impressive to me and it was all about Donovan Mitchell but don't you also think that that home court vibe was wild? Like that, I mean, that arena is sold out. It's been, and, and I'm not saying um, that's the reason why we lost, but their their vibe is crazy in Utah. And they're letting the, the the full arena be there. It's loud. You can barely hear the announcers either. So it's got to yeah, be kind rocking. of a, li- a little shock to these guys who haven't played in front of a crowd like that in a while. It, I, I really don't think that should matter. I agree with you. I think that's an advantage for the Jazz, but it really shouldn't affect the Clippers. I mean, yes, we had a long time without fans, but these guys have been playing in packed arenas their whole careers. Right. It should not matter. Um, but yeah, shout out to the Jazz. And we know that they're they're a crazy you know fan base. They love their team, and that's part of the reason why it's fun to go into a playoff series in Utah because the crowd is just living and dying with every moment. I hate their their colors though. Do you like these new colors, dude? <laughs> The orange and yellow and black. I know this is way off topic, but I. It seems it. like it's the Suns playing. It is. When I, it's like okay, that my my fiance Casey was like, wait, the Suns? Is this the Suns and the Clippers, or is this the Utah? I don't understand. And I was like, I you it. know what? That's a fair question. That's why I told her. I said that's fair. Um, but okay, so the thing that happened for me when I watched Game One, uh, and we'll move beyond this, but you guys look tired, and I think rightfully so. You had a crazy seven, you know, seven game series against the Mavericks. That second half, you guys just looked gassed. Uh, even though you only lost by three points in that game, it didn't feel that close because Donovan was just doing everything. Um, and then, you know, Morris has the chance to, to, to go to the free throw line. That's the only thing I want to say about game one. He pump fakes, he gets Rudy in the air and doesn't lean in to go for the three point shot. Cause he definitely would have gotten fouled. Definitely would have gone to the free throw line. You know who would have gotten fouled? You know what? You, Lou, Lou Williams would have gotten fouled. Just saying, <laughs> I just want to bring that up. Go ahead, continue. With, without a doubt, Lou Williams definitely would have gotten fouled. Um, and then, and obviously, the play like leading to that play, uh, Paul George just did not want to shoot the ball, and so that was obviously something that stood out to me too because they had the screen action. It was clear they wanted to get Kawhi the ball for that, and he stumbles, and then they, he passes it to him, and then he he has to just pass it over to the side uh, for for Morris, um, and all of that was bad. But you still only lost by three points. In the second game, it really it did seem like that was going to be the worst. I mean, hopefully for Clippers, that was going to be the worst performance for Kawhi and Paul George in the series. And Kawhi was he was very quiet in that game. I you know it was like twenty one points or something like that. It wasn't the same level of Kawhi. And and here I was seeing how locked in he was after after the Dallas series, being like, okay, this should just carry over, and it didn't. He had a dip in performance, and Paul George was really bad at, at times in that. Uh, game two, but had a, a really solid fourth quarter, and people were still shitting on him a lot, which I thought oh, we're going to talk about that. We're pretty pretty that. normal for Paul George, right? Um, but huge, absolutely huge win in game three. Uh, it was you know the opposite effect happened in that game where you guys took took over after halftime, um, and that was I mean that was not close. That game was not close, and that was a big big win, obviously for you guys. You can't go down three zero in any series and expect to actually come out of it. So. Uh, I think you said it, man. Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, who is now like a key component in this in this offense of yours. Uh, those two guys are are vital for for this team, and Reggie just continues to impress, man. I you know, I I can't say enough about how how well he's playing uh, for the Clippers. Uh, but look, I I just want to say like moving forward, 
Uh, my take of Kawhi Leonard being the best player on the floor hasn't necessarily happened. I think it was in game three, but I, I want to see him do that for the remainder of the series. I think the Clippers need him to be that best player. He can't be outplayed by Donovan Mitchell. And then Paul George cannot be outplayed by whoever the second man is, Bogdanovich or Clarkson. He, both of those guys have to continue to press it and attack and feel confident in their shot. And obviously you have to take advantage of every minute that Gobert is off of the floor. When they go to favors, it should be all day just going to the basket. I think they're starting to get that rhythm down. And then defensively, now you, you said the adjustments that Tyloo has done has been great. And I think they're going to continue to tinker with that just like they did with Luca. Uh, and I, I, you know, even though you guys are still down to up to one, um, I, I still feel good about the Clippers' chances to win this series, but I could be naive. I've been I've been doubting the the, the Jazz all year, so I'm just going to stick with my guns, and, and I think I'm still I'm still going to take the Clippers. And now it probably goes to a Game Seven, though. <laughs> I, I did make uh, I didn't tell you this, Drew, but I did make a mistake. You know, I'm quite the superstitious guy, right? Yeah. And I knew. Do you remember the Seinfeld episode where George? is like, does everything wrong? And Jerry's like, well, if everything you do is wrong, then the opposite should be right, right? And, yeah. so, so and then George, it works really well for him. It works really well. So after we go <laughs> down 0-2, I'm like, all right, I got to switch this up. You know, I like to sit in my certain spot. I got certain clothes I wear for these certain games. I like to have a certain amount of cocktails during these games. So for game three, Drew, I made the mistake of saying, all right, no cocktails during the game. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, changed the whole outfit. And I sat in a different chair. And so I, after the game, I'm like, shit. Now, now I can't stick with it. There's no cocktails during the game. <laughs> now you have to stick with it. I'm sticking with it, and and uh, I, we'll we'll see if it works or not. Oh so, man, that's funny. Um, moving forward a little bit, uh, you know, Phoenix last night swept uh, the Nuggets. They're going to have at least a week off of rest. Um, I'm for the first time, Drew, and honestly, like I have never been like personally so happy for somebody like I was for Chris Paul yesterday. Like I was smart. It was like, I was watching my goddaughter graduate high school or something. Like I, sure. I was so happy for Chris and I even posted it on our page that, you know, I've watched this guy's whole career and you, you know, I am a huge Chris Paul fan. He's in my top five uh, point guards of all time. And I hope after this performance that we saw not only yesterday, but this past season and the playoffs that Chris Paul is something special. That third quarter last night, Drew was perfect you know and I've, I've, I, I hate throwing perfect around you know so nonchalantly but it was and it's like I'm, I'm thinking to myself like did does Denver not watch any footage of Chris Paul like <laughs> yo if you put your hands in the cookie jar he's gonna swipe and get to the free throw line he's going to get to the 15 foot elbow and pull up jumper like that's what he's gonna do and everything he did yesterday was great so I want to give Hats off to the Phoenix Suns and to their four fans that I know personally because um, they looked great. I'm extremely happy for them. Yeah. And I'm a little disappointed with with Denver and especially like what with, happened with with Jokic yesterday. A lot of people were like, you know, he did get ejected. Um, I, I called our NBA friend because I wanted to say, hey, dude, what do you think about this ejection? Was it called for? And it is like if you're going to play by the book, he hit him in the face. He, he wound up. He struck him in the nose, even though. This guy has in three seasons hasn't gotten a, gotten a flagrant two or a flagrant or a flagrant two in three seasons. He hasn't been ejected, none of that stuff. But you have to call the play as it as it is, and if the refs don't call it that way, they're going to get in trouble. So, I think the ejection was 
right as shitty as it was it was a really bad decision by joker to do that it was a frustration uh foul they're down they're getting their ass kicked they're down oh three this is a, a, a you know this is a finishing game for them their backs against the wall but i'm a little disappointed with denver i'm happy for phoenix disappointed with denver what'd you think yeah, I, I do. I have to. I, I realized something that, like, when we were talking about the Lakers and Suns series the whole time, obviously my concern was mostly with the Lakers. So I, I wasn't able to really kind of pat the Suns on the ass like I like they deserve. Um, and I, I don't want it to be something where I don't appreciate their team simply because they knocked out the Lakers, right? And I can have all these opinions about whether or not the series would have gone that way if the Lakers were fully healthy. All that shit is dead. It doesn't matter because the season is over. It's over, Drew. I have to move on. Yeah, move on. Um, this team is about as good of a team as I've seen. And, and it has to do with every single player playing as hard as I've seen an entire team play. I don't know. I can't recall a team playing this hard from your starting point guard to you know any, any guy who comes in off the bench. Cameron Payne, Tory, all these guys are coming in and the intensity level is not dropping for a second. Even if, you know, Booker isn't having the craziest night, like Bridges is like still so locked in. And Chris Paul, you said it, man, like his performance, especially in these last two games is, is unbelievable, man. And so the, the first thing was, it's like, okay, how banged up was that shoulder for real? Like how banged up was it? Right. We're going to get on LeBron for milking some shit. Chris Paul's on the floor every time a, a, a fly lands on his shoulder. And it's it's like he got hit with a with a, a bow and arrow right in the shoulder. It feels like he's just down for the count. He's 36, and then bro. He's, give, him a, give him a pass. I get it, man. And it probably old. hurt. I, I, I'm not going to say it didn't hurt. But, like, now he's, like, totally fine. Like, 100%, like, not a problem. He's hitting every fucking shot he's throwing man. up. Uh, and he was, the, he was the difference in the series, along with that intensity that did never dropped for the Suns. I have to say that like I I appreciate what the Suns are doing. Uh but now the Nuggets when they were coming into this series our our point of view was like all right, Jokic should be able to handle his shit here. So outside of Paul, DeAndre Ayton is is he's playing I, I don't know I is this the best that he can play? I don't know. He can get better, I think, but he is doing everything right. And, and the amount of trouble that he gave Jokic in this series has to be noted. It has to be noted because I did not expect that, man. He handled the Lakers beautifully, did great. But in this series, it's like, okay, now you're in for a different – this is a different kind of beast that you have to defend. And the, the amount of respect that Jokic has for him, I think also a kind of – Vice versa, too. They both, they both do. Yeah, they, they seem to really like have like a you know a, a lot of respect for one another. And but but for Jokic to like he never talks about his opponents very often. I don't think. Uh, but it was clear Aiton was ready for the task and was causing a lot of problems for for Jokic um, to the point where like a lot of the times the Suns did or didn't feel like they needed to double team Jokic, which is really where Denver gets their advantage. Now the biggest thing was Michael Porter Jr. We knew he was going to have to have a stellar performance in this series in order for, you know, the Nuggets to to win uh, a game even. And he was clearly pretty fucked up. His back was not okay uh, for those first two games. He was not the same player. And then the rest of the squad just played like like you would expect that squad to play, right? If if Compazzo and Rivers and Porter Jr. and all these other guys have this kind of level of performance, we're watching the Portland Trailblazers play 
the Phoenix Suns in this series, not the Nuggets. You know what I'm saying? Like those guys were able to elevate their performance against the Blazers to win that series. And that needed to continue in this series for it to be competitive. And it did not. And it was not, even though Will Barton finally got on the court. And had a great game. He had a great game. Yeah, yeah. Porter did have a Porter had a good game. He he started to feel better. He started to feel better. You could see how he was moving and Mm -hmm. you know his shot and and defensively being able to to move a little bit uh, better for sure. But you know it really wasn't about anything other than the Suns went into that series with the the focus of dominating, and then they executed that to to the letter. Like I there's that was about as good of a series as you could possibly ask for if you're a Suns fan. Even though Booker didn't have, you know, a 47 point or a 50 point yeah, but night. You don't need that when you have. That's a what I'm saying. Squad. Exactly. That's, that's, and that's, that's, how, that's how you win a championship, man. You don't necessarily need a guy to drop 45 every single night. If everybody buys in, which they have, you see it. That energy, they, since game one of the first round, they've had the same energy going into every single game. So I'm with you on that. Um, but I still think, and here's a question for you, dude, okay. is – I know Chris Paul is not in your top five all time. And now all the talking heads, that's what they're talking about. Oh, point God, point God, point God, top five. You know, Stephen A came out with it the other day. Like, oh, Chris Paul's top five point guard of all time. Cool. Been saying that for a long time. Does this sway you at all? I know Chris Paul's in your 10. No, he's he. so he was fifth for me. He, he was fifth on my list. You did have him five? I still have the list. I oh, you did? Oh, I thought you didn't have him five. I'm sorry. No, no, I, I didn't have him. You had him as like one, I think, right? No, didn't you no, have no, no, no. one I had, or two? I had Stockton. You had John. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You had Stockton. Uh, my, my list was Magic Johnson, Jerry West, which Jerry West arguably could be a shooting guard. We did that. You know, go back and listen to our all-time list. It's a great when one. The, when the bubble was popping for real. <laughs> um, I had Steph as three, Oscar Robertson four, Chris Paul at five. Oh, okay, maybe I'm just, I'm off on that then. So, no, but I, I historically, I get it, right? He still hasn't won a championship. He's never been to a finals, right? So that's, those are the things that people are always going to bring up, right? And that sucks, but maybe he's going to change that this year. Who knows, dude? And look, we're, I guess we're going to get into this now, but like Brooklyn and Philly, Embiid, every time he goes on the fl- hits the floor, I'm like, oh no, he's done. He's Bro, dead. How his is he leg- still walking? I don't how understand it. I don't understand it. So he's clearly not going to be the Embiid, even even though his performances have been like heroic with with all the shit that he's dealing with. And then you got Harden who can't play. Uh, Kyrie's rolling his ankle, and the Bucks look like a different team now. Of course, because they don't have to deal with two of the top three players. And Blake Griffin's performance in game one, not sustainable on, you know, whatever. But yeah, I'm looking over at the other teams on the East and going like the Suns can definitely beat whoever comes out of Utah Clippers. It's going to be a hell of a series. I, if it's Utah, if it's the Clippers, I think I'm favoring the Suns. If it's Utah, I think if the Clippers, I still might lean Clippers. Hater. Uh, I Huh? Hater. It's okay. Continue. Go ahead. I, I said I, I would lean Clippers. I'm oh, leaning. sorry. I'm already jumping the gun. I'm already thinking you're talking <laughs> shit about my boys. Go ahead. No, no. If it's Utah, I think Phoenix has enough in the tank. If it's the Clippers, I that's a coin flip to me, and it really gonna, it's going to be played out on the floor uh, every night. I think that's going to be a hell of a – that's who I hope it is. I hope it's Clippers and Suns, and we get an awesome series. Uh, but as I keep looking over on the East, it's like, okay, the Suns can definitely – I think the Suns could handle Philly pretty good. They definitely could handle the Hawks. I think the Bucks and the Nets are going to be whoever, you know, probably makes it to the finals if the Suns make it there. And if those two teams are going to be banged up or injured, especially the Nets like this, the Suns could fucking win a championship, bro. And that's and that's real. That is real. It also, I mean, that also goes for the for the Jazz and for the Clippers as well. Like 
my whole my whole thing was like if the Nets are going to play like they did in game one against the Bucks and game two, nobody was going to beat them. And then immediately everything changes when you go through injuries. So the, the only thing I want to say is the Suns may be the best team playing the hardest basketball right now. And that is so important as you're going for a championship with you. They may not be the most talented team, right? If you're talking about the Nets or the Bucks, maybe those guys might be a little bit more talented, but they're the best team top to bottom playing the hardest basketball out of anybody left in, in, in the playoffs. And that's I, huge. I completely agree with you. And I want to go keep going on this Nets thing. Cause everything's changed now. Every, the whole game has changed. Kyrie going down. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. It happened. It sucks. Uh, you know, I never want to see a player get injured. Big Baby came out last night who's still bitter about the stomping of Lucky and said, hey, this is karma. This is what happens when you step on Lucky. I don't think it's karma. This, this shit happens. But let me tell you something, Drew. This is KD's worst nightmare. He did not sign up for this. He did not want – this is specifically why he wanted Harden and Kyrie there with him. Um, and there was a lot of talk like – there was a funny meme we posted on our page, like, damn, how did LeBron do this? Right. I think with KD, with Kyrie and, and Harden out and just KD, I don't think it's not enough to win a championship against any of these other teams, even Milwaukee. Like I think with just KD Milwaukee, they're winning, they're winning this series. Um, I'll be extremely impressed if Brooklyn can, can win this series without Kyrie or Harden, but um, it's got to piss off. KD it's definitely got to piss off KD a lot and I kind of like that right right? um and back to your Philly talk like yo Embiid as good as he's playing man he is just giving me this vibe where he is one jump hook away from fucking throwing that knee out why is he even on the court I don't know dude I don't know how you play with the torn meniscus you guys should all see Drew's face because he's agreeing with me right now shaking his head because I I can't believe he's out there doing this right now yeah, the level of performance. I mean, I think I think it just speaks to how much better he is than any center option that the the Hawks have, right? Like Capella's like nice, right? And the play that I think is resounding is that one play that Capella got the little lob and dunked it over Embiid as he was trying to back up, and then Embiid was like, "Give me the ball!" Like immediately, next position, give me the fucking ball. Pounds it down three times, dunks on top of Capella, gets the and one and looks, or I don't know if he got the and one or not, but it looked like it could have been called an and one. Dunks all over him and, and then stares him in the face as he walks back slowly to the other side of the court. I, I do think it's like, you know, unfortunately for the Hawks, they, you know, they don't have anyone to go up against and be very few teams have anything to match, you know, and beat, which is why he's, he's so impressive, even with this injury. Um, and it looks like the Philly's going to be able to take care of business if he's going to stay on the court. Uh, so my guess is, and this is just a guess, it, it's 2-1 for Philly. They want to just try and finish these next two with him on the court and see if he can get a little bit more space and time as opposed to maybe resting him. If they go up 3-1, maybe resting him in game five, right? Like that doesn't make any sense. Get the series done and then like, you know, do whatever you have to do to try and rehab this man. Get Chris Paul's trainer on the phone and see if he can work. It's, it, I think Mr. Miyagi is the guy that's working on Chris Paul. I'm, that's who I feel it is. He's passed he's, away, Drew. He's no longer with us. He's rubbing right. the hands. He's rubbing the hands together, and then he's putting it on the shoulder. So Embiid needs that on the knee. Um, but back to the to the Nets series with the Bucks. This shit's wide open now for the Bucks. If they, I'll, I'll take it another step. If the Bucks don't win this series without Harden and without Kyrie on the floor, that's going to be a ginormous story. 
They should absolutely take care of business if it's just Kevin Durant and fucking Shamit and Blake Griffin on the court. Shamit. Fucking Shamit <laughs> is like the next best player now for, for the Nets. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's going to be a big deal if the Bucks cannot pull that off. And I feel bad for the Nets, man. It's amazing. I mean, do you, I, do you though? Do you feel bad for the of Nets? Of course I do. Like, like, okay, my my biggest thing on the last pod was like, I didn't want series to be decided by injury. That's true. And of course, I, maybe I should just stop saying shit like this because it seems like it's happening based on my comments. But it's like, I've got, please nobody get injured. And then it's like, Michael Porter Jr. hurt his back. Uh, Kyrie's out. Harden's not going to play. And so now now it all lies on whether or not Harden, I think, can get on the court. Because Kyrie's going to need at least a little time to rest. That whole His whole body went down on that ankle. I had a, I, my ankle. That's almost exactly what happened to me, uh, what it was like, four years ago. And I tweaked it again, walking Kona today. Like, that shit is, is not the same. It's not the same. I, I stepped wrong and I popped something and I was just like, oh, I did a whole Peter Drew, Griffin. Drew just compared his ankle, his ankle, inj- Kyrie's ankle injury to him walking his dog today. Just just to. No, I, my ankle it. injury was not based on me walking the dog. <laughs> the ankle injury happened just like Kyrie, except I went up to block a shot and landed completely on my, my one foot that rolled over. And I weigh a lot more than Kyrie Irving. So my ankle was like, nope, I'm calling it. Um, anyway, dude, that ankle is not going to be ready anytime soon. I mean, look, I'm sure they're, they're going to be working out ways to get him on the court as soon as possible. But now you go in, in an instance where it was like, oh, we might be able to get through this series without James Harden and let him rest so that they can play in the conference finals or the finals with him. Now it's like, James, we actually kind of fucking need you on the court in order for us to survive right now. Uh, and I don't think either of those things is going to happen. I mean, maybe hamstrings are crazy tough. And you saw how quickly James Harden did not feel right. It took 43 fucking seconds for him to go, you know what? This is not, I can't be out here. So he's got to last a little bit longer than 43 seconds in this series for them to do anything or, or you know, look, Durant can go for 50. We're not, we're not stupid. We know that that can happen. Uh, but even if he goes for 50, he's going to need uh, a team defense and a team offense that's helping him out and hitting shots and making plays defensively rebounding. Uh, it's just, it's going to be a crazy road to hoe for, for this Nets team uh, without those two guys. So I, you know, look, I'm thinking Philly and bucks all of a sudden is now what we're going to see in the Eastern conference finals. And I would not have said that two days ago even. And so the, the other thing is, is like the last thing I have is in game three, which was like a, a like a 1991 playoff game, 86 to 83. Kyrie was bad in that game. And if Kyrie was able to step up in that game a little bit more and take care of business, they go up 3-0, then it doesn't matter, right? Like 3-0, no one's ever come back from. So 3-0, okay, maybe maybe KD can pull off one game and get him mm-hmm. over the hump. But now it's 2-2. Dude, it's a three-game series. He can't do it for two two or three games, man. I, I think, I mean, K- Kevin Durant is amazing. He may still be the greatest player that we've ever, <laughs> we have in the league right now, even though he's coming off an Achilles. But man, I, you have to be favoring uh, uh, Milwaukee right now. Do you remember what I texted you in game three of that? Oh, the, the Bucks offense. Yes. And yeah. all, although they won, I, I texted Drew and I said, please remind me how disgusted I am at their offense. It looked horrible. I don't care that they won. The, sim- the fact that, that Giannis was three for 30 shooting threes and still shooting threes really pissed me off. Their offense looked extremely stagnant. If, if Giannis isn't going downhill at all times, he doesn't have a bag, Drew. We've said this for no. a couple of years. There is no fadeaway. He was trying this new, like, Luca a la Dirk, like, 
fadeaway one-legged jumper and like it doesn't work the three doesn't work like a lot of people hit us up on our page and was saying you know Giannis although he is the two-time MVP two-time defensive player of the year like he might be a great number two on a squad and I think they have a, a they, they have a really good point on that Giannis is great but he really needs to figure out the bag and and how he's going to you know get better offensively he needs to do like go to Akeem's camp or something. I, I told you, I mean, I brought it up many times. I always wanted DeAndre and Blake to go work with Akeem like Kobe did just to get some, some simple two moves, Drew. I just need him to get two moves. I got one for you. I got what? one for you. What's that? Rashawn Holmes, mm-hmm. the push shot. Mm-hmm. Rashawn Holmes' push shot. If, if, if Giannis can lock that in because of all the space that he gets, mm-hmm. if he can just pull up that little floater push shot from like eight feet, no one's going to have a hand in his face. Everyone's going to keep backing up so he doesn't get a dunk. If he can just get that from eight fucking feet. That makes sense. It changes everything. It right, does. It changes everything. Right. We him. don't need a fadeaway. A fadeaway one-legged jumper. We don't Because then that. he can do a hesitation, right. right, when he's going to the rack. If he can start hitting the pull-up from the free-throw line or just inside the free-throw line, that little float or push shot, then he can hezzy right there and someone will actually bite. Because right now when he pump fakes, people are like, cool, like – fucking please go ahead and it, it's just so it, it does it's amazing with all the changes that the bucks have made and, and even though i still think at this point unless something changes they're probably going to advance out of the series their offense even with the different pieces is still the same as the last two seasons and it's one dimensional that's what everything i kept t- talking about the bucks offense it's one dimensional when Giannis have has the ball in the half court that's there's nothing else happening right they don't run a lot of actions with him in Middleton they don't run any actions with him and Drew to involve some sort of it's just like all right everyone get in your shooting spots because Giannis is going to go to the rack and if he doesn't make a layup or, or, or you know he tries to kick it out hopefully someone can knock down the shot for them but that is it that's the extent of their offense and it's terrible and I I, I have to look at Budenholzer and the coaching staff for not figuring out some way to create some sort of flow and get Giannis in better positions. But that's the other side of it, man. If you get Giannis in a better position in the post, he doesn't really have anything to go to. So it seems like the only option is, all right, here's the ball at the three-point line. Everybody clear out. Giannis has 12 feet of, of runway. Let's see if he can dunk it, right? It, it, even though it's really a, a bad offense that they have running, it seems like it might be enough to get over the hump here in this, in this round. In no, in no basketball world should Giannis be the guy taking the most three-pointers on your team. And that's what's happening right now. And Ridiculous. at some point, Budenhoser, somebody has to say that the, if Chris Middleton's your guy taking the shots, that's fine. Take that's all who the you three want. Pointers. Yes. Yeah, that's who you want to take the threes. And I'm fine with Giannis. T- if you're going to leave him wide open, I'm fine with you taking two, two, two a game. Yeah, two, two, to, three two to four. Two mm-hmm. to four. Four is the max. Yes. Four, one one three-pointer per quarter. Should be at, that's it. That should even be even if quota. you're four for four for threes, do not shoot anymore. Look at Zion. Zion's a perfect example of this. He knows he can't fucking hit the threes like that all the time. He has his first game, he hits all these threes right. and then has like the same amount of threes for the remainder of his career thus far. He knows where he his bread is butter. Get down in the post, start working on a push shot, and it'll change your life, Giannis. Um, I know this is a quick hitter for us today. I really wanted to get something out before game four, but we wanted to start doing something new at the end of our show. I want to call it final thoughts. Cause I'm for those that listen to the show, I always ask drew if he has anything else to say for the show. And I'm again, I apologize for making this. 
a fast one today, but I have people in town. Drew's got stuff to do, but we do this for you guys and we want to get this out. So this is the final thoughts. And Drew, do you have anything today for your final thoughts? Yeah. So mine, mine's kind of, uh, it's a little dark, Oh, but for those people out there that, that, that enjoy soccer, I enjoy soccer on Saturday. We, we had a player die on the field and brought and was brought back to life uh, in the Euros, which is happening right now. Uh, it's kind of like the World Cup, but just for European nations. It's a huge tournament for soccer. This player is the best player on the field, Christian Eriksen. He's a fantastic midfield player. Just running, jogging towards the, <laughs> towards the ball, collapses, has cardiac arrest. Literally, I watched this, unfortunately, because I was sitting there with <laughs> my future mother-in-law and we're just watching soccer. And then this happens on the television and man, it, it just, you know, it, it, something like that always changes my perspective. Right. Um, I'm just so thankful that that dude survived. Uh, I'm thankful for the medical staff to, for, for them to respond and, and to like work so quickly because those fleeting moments, man, like he definitely, he, he could have, he could have left this, this earth, you know, in those moments. And those guys brought out a fucking defibrillator on the field and brought this band back to life. I just, that was amazing um, and, and terrifying all in the same breath. Uh, but it is, it's amazing, man. Like I, I know we all, we all get really caught up in this, in this, you know, in this moment, we see people fighting in the stands between the, the, the nuggets and the, and the sons and it's sons like and four sons and four. And the guy was right. I gotta say, man, it was, yeah, emphatic, emphatically correct. Um, but you know, it just taking a step away from that, you know, life is precious. And, and as much as these games matter to us, uh, you know, big picture stuff, like living, breathing, being able to wake up and do what you want to do in the, in a day, uh, you can't take that for granted. And that, that was the biggest thing that happened to me this weekend. It was right before I was going to go see these hotels and I'm like, Jesus, this is brutal. Uh, but anyway, that was, and I know it was random, completely off topic. No, but that happened. And it's something I had to talk about because it, it puts everything in perspective to me as long as, I mean, I'm very upset that the Lakers lost, but dude, I'm still living, breathing. I had a great weekend with my fiance. I'm doing this with you. I'm, I'm a happy man. I'm, I'm living and, and let's just keep moving forward. You know, you know, defibrillators, my mom is, you know, is in the medical field. She's been a huge advocate of trying to put defibs like everywhere, like in restaurants and hotels and make sure that these are, uh, you know, available for everybody for those certain moments. And there's actually a really great video that I sent one of my soccer friends today. It's on House of Highlights. And the man that designed that, that works for that company that made that defib, um, started crying when um, I got chills saying it. Um, it's on House of Highlights. You should look at it. He started crying when the guy came back to life because that's his device. And, you know, God, just think about what it takes to make one of those, right? Like, how do you, you saved somebody's life. Like he was dead and now he's alive because of your device. So I'm with you on that, bro. In the grand scheme of things, fuck the playoffs, fuck mm -hmm. basketball teams and all this shit. Like life is precious, man. And I'm with you on that. And we're so small, bro. We are just yeah. so small um, in the grand scheme of things. My final thought isn't as dark as yours. I'm going back to something that I, uh, I talk about all the time and I want to bring up Paul George and Again, and I know, man, uh, I, I, big game three for Paul George. Big game look, three. man, he's been good. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, he's still been the leading scorer for, uh, for this series for us. I'd understand it's it's 19 a game. Actually, after his 30-point game, it's more than that. But it's what he's doing, the rebounding, the, the offensive rebounding, the defense, the assists that he's been having. But I, I want to say something, dude. 
And I, I defend this man like he is my child. Okay. That's how I feel like I have been defending Paul George <laughs> all year. And um, I think it's time for Paul George to embrace being hated. Okay. Nothing is going to, no matter what he does, it does not matter for whatever reason. He's this, this one interview he did three years ago in joking manner saying that he's playoff P has stuck with it for whatever reason. And people want to hang on this. Okay. It's the same reason that people hate. Le- why do you hate LeBron James? Oh, well the decision. Okay, bro. If that's why you hate LeBron James, cause he made a decision on ESPN. Okay. That's what we're going to talk about. Why do you hate uh, Paul George? Oh, you mean playoff P <laughs> okay. I'm over it. Let's embrace the hatred. Let's let's be like Russ. Let's be like Kobe. Let's be like AI. Like, Trey. Be, like Ice Trey right now. That was the guy I'm bringing up. I'm not saying he needs to be the villain, but no matter what happens, you're going to get booed in Utah. They're going to they're going to call overrated all they want to you. So let's embrace it and let's just keep playing your game because no matter what, they're not going to let this shit go. All right? Whether even if you win a championship, every single well maybe if you win a championship it'll be a little different. Every single game the Clippers play, they refer to the bubble and playoff P, pandemic P, every single show, every single game. And it bugs the shit out of me because that shit's over, bro. That's that's just over. The, the bubble's over. If you want to hate Paul George for this comment that he made in a post-game interview, fine. If Paul George has a horrific game four and goes 0 for 12, fine, dude. I understand. Bash him. Do all that. But what he's doing for us right now Although it could be better, he's playing fine for me, and I'm okay with it. The other thing I want to say is as much as I like – this is so off topic, and I have it written down in my notes. Doris Burke said the word percolate eight times during the game. (laughs) Percolate, okay? Can we just find a different word, Doris? Can we just find a different word? I'm over it. Yeah, you know, sometimes, I mean, we do this and sometimes we get stuck on a word and I think that might have happened to Doris, right? Like sometimes we say a word and it just keeps coming out because it works. Uh, so I'm going to give Doris the benefit of the doubt. Uh, and she's she's honestly, she's she's very good at, at her job. But yeah, man, that is very funny. I noticed that as well. Uh, she just kept going back to the to the well, the percolate well. And just it just kept happening. I'm sure even you know on the sixth or seventh time, she was probably like, "Oh shit, I, I gotta stop saying percolate." But it just keeps happening. I, I've had that happen myself doing the show with you, and I'm sure our listeners will be like, "Oh, t- this week Drew said this word 17 times, and it just happened." So I I apologize on behalf of myself for that, but it is something that happens, and everything's live for them. So you know it is what it is. I'm gonna give her the benefit of the doubt, but yes, maybe have the statistician look up. Uh, percolate and the thesaurus and have just write down a couple different options for synonyms for her to, to go to maybe next time. It's funny because, you know, I watched the games by myself and after the third time she said it, I said to myself, I said, did she say that again? again? And then she said it again and again. And I'm like, yo, what is going on? And what, I had to look up percolate because I, I think it's a great word, but it does not. No, it's a good word. It's a great a, word. It's a good word. But you yeah. don't need to say it eight times during a telecast. That's all I got to say. Absolutely. All right, so game four tonight, Clippers. We need to bring this back home. Um, I'm going to be sitting in my chair. There will be no cocktails drank. I will have the same outfit on that I have, and I'm looking for a Clipper victory. We get this one tonight, series changer. Series changer for us, Drew. Yeah, and if you don't, it's a series changer. Too, I don't want to right? talk about that. Nope, we're not yeah, talking no, about it's that. Either way, either way, it's a series changer, man. I got to tell you that. But I saw a stat today that Kawhi Leonard is undefeated in, in playoff series after going down 0-2, which is a fucking crazy stat. We posted that. That's on our page. That's a crazy stat. And that's got to give you some level of comfort there. 
It's almost like, okay, cool. Let's get 0-2 down. Let's start every series 0-2 down. If he's undefeated, obviously you don't ever want to do that. But that's got to that's got to be a huge level of comfort seeing something like that and having this man on your team. Comfort is having Kawhi 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 George. That'd be a good good player. Uh, having Kawhi Leonard on your team is a sense of comfort. Having him in general is something that I've never experienced in my life having somebody like that and you know he's proven to us that he's a winner dude this guy is just a winner and he's going to do everything that he possibly can and just the attitude of the team and I don't want to say nonchalantness but like the attitude of like yo we're going to take this every single game we're not scared we're going to go out and play our game and I think that starts with Ty Lu. back to what we were saying in the beginning of uh, of the show of how impressed I am with him and how important it is to have such a great coach and it's like I was watching my my little nephew um, do puzzles this weekend. And he's like, he's like four and he put together seven of these things. Right. And I was watching him put it together and that's what basketball is. And that's what playoffs is seven game series is, is finding the right pieces to the puzzle and just putting them all together. And it may take some time, dude. And it may take different pieces that you're going to try to put in this puzzle to, to, to make it work. So I think that's, that's what's happening with the Clippers right now. Quick shout out to Bogdanovich on Utah. The dude is playing solid defense. Not something I ever would have said before, but very impressive. He's staying with Kawhi Leonard a lot of these times and making things difficult. So big shout out to, to Boyan Bogdanovich of the Bogdanovich tribe. Check us out on basketballnews.com. We got a whole bunch of different podcasts on there. Great content, especially our show. We got Eton Thomas. We got Alex Kennedy, James Posey, Rex Chapman, Dishes and Dimes. We've got everybody over there. Um, we're going to be back soon. Let's go Clippers. So follow through with Clips and Drew and we're ghosts. You know what it is. You know what it is. You know where you're at. This is the fun.